0: Hello, hello, my dear audience. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today, once again, I intended to hold an open mic show. And once again, I was told that for some reason, uh, the telephones do not work. Um, I have no idea. I was just listening to the show, uh, the leads, stories, and... People were calling in and everything worked. I have no idea why it's happening. Uh, They are trying, they told me in the studio, they're trying to fix the system. I understand nothing about these technological things. In fact, (laughs) my children have been trying to teach me how to use Zoom for the last couple of months, here and there, of course. And guess what? I still didn't get it. I use Skype. Which I have been using uh, since 2003, when I just when they just came out in the market. I teach my classes and I give sessions through Skype, and it works fine. But the truth is, I wish I would be. It would be easier for me to learn these things, but somehow my brain doesn't click with it. So um, I hope the somehow it will work out just in case if suddenly today the audio system starts working. Uh, I want to give you the telephone number a tourist to try to call 888 874 4888. But they told me that for whatever reason, uh, they cannot receive your calls. Please give it a try. <laughs> I hope next week that the problem will be resolved. Um, I know last week they also told me it, there was a problem and it's still not resolved till today. Uh, you cannot call me, but you can write to me. So please do write uh, with your comments and your questions. Uh, and in the following show, even if the phone system doesn't work, which would be crazy kind of, I mean, how much time do you need to fix it? But uh, I will be able to address your questions or share with the comments if you write them. So my email is drpeterreznik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R, another R-E-Z-N as Nancy, I-K at gmail.com. And of course, you can always visit my website, uh, same, drpeterresnik.com. Today, I decided, since I cannot um, interact with you, and by the way, I have to tell you, for more than a year, I've been telling you, I don't want just to lecture, even though I gave so many talks on different subjects, and I invited, I think, more than 20 speakers from health field. I, most what I wanted to do is to uh, to interact with you, that you call in, uh, ask questions, and I do my best uh, answering your questions. But for some, for some reason, and, and in the last, uh, so except the last one, uh, four or five shows, it was wonderful. People were calling in, and we had this, back and forth interaction. I loved it and people loved it. But unfortunately, it cannot happen right now. Uh, So today we'll go back to the subject I started a long time ago, and we never finished it. I didn't intend to finish it quickly, because it's a huge program. If you remember, it's my program that eventually will become a book. And I'm trying to finish the book, but it's available now as a program called Six Pillars of Well-Being. But first, I want to repeat something I told you last week. Someone asked me a question through an email. If I taught classes to general public, not to professionals only, because I, I teach a whole long course which lasts a little more than a year to professionals called mind body integrative therapy. And yes, of course, I did teach courses to lay people for many years in my office, courses on many subjects such as um, overcoming addictions, weight control, uh, relationship with food and body image issues. Cancer, Mind-Body Integrative Approach to Healing, Imagination for Healing and Health Maintenance, Dream Work, Staying Healthy in a Stressful World. Uh, In fact, I have a list of 34 different courses. I think it is somewhere on my website. And it's 34 different courses I taught over the last 40 years that I've been practicing in America. Three weeks ago, I told my friend, Michael Collins, that I wanted to offer a free course that I would teach on the internet, on Skype. And he suggested immediately a title, Understanding the Dance of Life, with a subtitle, Relationship with Yourself and Others. I announced it last week, so I still am announcing it again today. I want to know what you think about it. Uh, because if enough people are interested and a class is limited to 10 people, then I will teach it. It's totally free of charge. We'll just have to, once I have a group, we'll have to decide what time of the day we'll be teaching the class. Probably it would be uh, Thursday evening, because that's the only evening I have free so far. And most people work during the day. So that's my thinking. But I'm not sure. Another course I wanted to offer, and also I wanted to offer it for free, is Healing and Prevention of Cancer, Mind-Body Perspective. It would be a short four-week course. Um, so I want I want to get your feedback. I want to know if you are interested. Um, in the past, when I taught... These courses in my in my office it was kind of kind of expensive, but now we live in a different world, and also I am in a different place. I'm kind of semi-retiring. I work less. I t- don't take new patients, or almost don't take new patients. I have a lot of very good students, and I send them to my students uh, for their practice. It's not that I have a clinic where i uh send give and give patients to uh excuse me somebody wrote something and i'm trying to read aha uh-huh, somebody wrote uh that they're interested in both courses courses oh i have here whole uh list of written stuff i wonder I wondered, that's very interesting, ladies and gentlemen, we have a way to communicate. As I understand, uh, as I understand, I can receive texts. I cannot receive calls, but I can receive texts. So yes, you can send texts if you have questions, and I will just read the texts, so sorry, it takes me a while to read them, but then I will uh, attempt to answer your questions. Uh, Okay, so going back to to the courses. So the groups will be limited to 10 people. Uh, Write down, please, if you are interested. And I will start probably somewhere in the beginning of February, uh, at the end of February, in the beginning of March. Also, you can write to me... uh, and request a subject that you want me to talk about the following week regarding health, wellness, conflicts, stress, anxiety, depression, anger, cancer, asthma, any physical or emotional problems you may be facing. Remember, uh, my specialty is mind-body integrative approach to healing. What it means is that My approach to wellness recognizes the interconnection between the mind, body, and spirit. It's rooted in ancient healing principles and adapted to incorporate modern science. It offers a natural way of attaining inner clarity, personal fulfillment, and overall well-being. It depends on uh, what's on your plate. But I want to make it clear that life is most important. If there is a problem, yes, try to address it holistically, using your mind, uh, natural remedies, diet changes, exercises. And at times, sometimes nothing helps, no matter what you do. Uh, So that also happens then take the damn pill, if you have to, or do surgery, or do whatever modern science has to offer. The most important is not proving some point, or saying I'm holistic, and I'm only doing uh, this and that, and I eat uh, organic fruits and vegetables, and and there is nothing else that I will accept as, as a treatment. No, The most important is finding a healthiest and at times simply most expedient way to treat the problem because that's what you want. You want to be well. This is number one. And whatever it takes, you do. When I just started doing this show in December 2019, I spoke in great detail about all the tools that I use in my practice. But today, I just want to give you a quick reminder, just to encourage you to write to me. And when they fix, finally, the audio system to call me. uh, And I don't mean that I will definitely be able to resolve your problems if you call or write, or even fully understand your question. But I may. And even if we start the conversation and I give you some idea about how to address a particular issue, isn't it a good start? I have over 40 years of clinical experience. And when people come to see me in the office or came to see me because now I don't have an office, I work only through Skype or FaceTime, I do not spend time day after day talking to them about what happened in their everyday life. I may ask them about their life to notice the patterns of their life. But mostly, from the day one, they get assignments. They get assignments on what to do. So they could do their homework uh, and make concrete steps to improve the quality of their life that week right away. I have to apologize. People are sending me texts and I realize I cannot do both. I cannot read those texts quickly. Uh, Maybe uh, whoever is now is in charge of, of the Skype operation can say it out loud, but I cannot talk to you and read the texts at the same time. I never was able to do it. I don't know how other people do it. Uh, I I think I told you many times. Uh, In the past, I have taught 1000s, not hundreds, 1000s of courses, and workshops and gave 1000s of lectures in the last 40 years. But it's all to people that I can see. I can see their eyes. I can interact with them. And doing this radio show is a totally new thing for me. I am kind of, in all in this, it's been almost a year and a half, I'm still not comfortable doing this show because I don't see people that that I'm talking to. That's why it was so good when people could call and talk to me. And this quick, uh, I see a whole... Uh, list of texts that is written now, but I' a slow reader, and I would have to abandon you, ladies and gentlemen, and start reading this uh, ma- mail and I c- of course I will not do it. Uh, some of you already called me and then called me uh, called me and we when 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 I was able to received the calls, and then called me weeks later thanking me for helping to improve the quality of their lives. And I thank you for those calls and for those emails. I have no idea what you may present in your question when you call or when you write. And I have no idea to what degree I can help. I only know that I have a lot of experience and I surely want to be helpful. Just let me tell you, in few words, how it works. And then we'll go to uh, six pillars of well being. Regardless, what the problem is, at the heart of my therapeutic approach are two guiding principles. First, that all problems, whether physical or emotional, are considered within the larger web of your life. And issues in one area often, if not always, point to the need to correct imbalances that exist within other vital aspects of one's life. And the second principle is that we all possess innate, mental resources, we're born with them, that can be used to restore the balance, to restore harmony, and health in our lives. So no matter what the issue is, there are a couple of things that I do. Or I can say that I teach. One is to gain a broader understanding of your life challenge. Or the problem that you're facing, enabling you to develop a treatment approach that is holistic and curative. In five, ten minutes, uh, that I may only give you, uh, I may give you just a few ideas. I'm talking about not in a full psychotherapy session. In five, ten minutes that you call and you're here with me on the air, I may give you some ideas on how to develop that treatment approach. The rest, you will have to do on your own. Or I may give you an idea and the whole problem will be resolved. We never know. I, I remember, when there was a wonderful woman, I remember her name now, Carol from Brooklyn. She called at least three times. And each time with serious problems. Not problems, serious questions. For example, I, I remember the first question was a question, and I pondered on it for a long time uh, because everybody asked this question. But she called and said, how do you find the purpose of your life? So, and we discussed it, and then she found it being very helpful, and she called again, and then she called again. That's exactly what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we develop this relationship where you call, and I, not necessarily that I'm able to answer entirely your question, but I may. I may answer it partially. I may direct you in the right path. So that's number one to see the, the issue within the web of your whole life. Number two, to help you discover and release emotional toxins. It's a whole huge subject. If we have time, maybe we'll talk about it today. If not, actually, I can talk, uh, and if you remind me, if you can call me next time, or I will make a note for myself, how to release mental and emotional toxins in the body. We know about uh, metal toxicity. And now there are approaches. People go into what is called chelation therapy. They try try to take out uh, different metals, like mercury, out of the of the body. Because particularly when a person is not well, it slows down uh, the healing process. So that's metal toxicity and there is toxicity within the gut, And as great, there is mental toxicity. That is negative feelings that may be stuck in you for decades, and you may not be even aware of them. So that's what is very important. I, I think we should spend the whole hour one day, and I will teach you how to do it. There is a beautiful way to to let go of those um, mental toxins in the body. So I think I will do that. But that's the next thing I do. So number three, I use powerful mental techniques for symptom relief, and problem resolution. These are the tools I told you about uh, that help you to deal with the symptoms whether physical or emotional or mental uh, and mostly uh, the tools are mental imagery. And I think in, in previous talks I demonstrated to you how imagery works to reduce anxiety, to relax you mentally and physically and so on. And finally the fourth avenue for healing is uh, to implement life changes needed to achieve and maintain optimum health. That's simple to say, to implement the changes, but not that easy to implement. So sometimes it's a person may be in such a life situation that it is very difficult to to make significant changes. But I will tell you, I don't want to say the secret because it's not a secret, but I will tell you uh, how important the changes are. And the more serious the illness is, the more imperative it is that people make life, life changes. Uh, my teacher, Colette of Blessed Memory, uh, said, Two things are necessary when a person is ill, and the more seriously ill the person is, the more it is imperative that, that these changes would be made. One, a person must not become a patient. You will say, what do you mean not become a patient? I go for chemotherapy, you know, Emily really not a patient, or I take these vitamins, or I do this procedure. Of course I'm a patient. That's not what she meant. Yes, you do every single procedure that you need for healing, for becoming well. But that's it. You did it, and then you live your life. You do not interrupt your life. You don't start now. Become you don't become a junkie, uh, going on internet every day, reading about uh, your, your particular problem. A hundred different ways to approach how many people die. Don't, you are not statistics. You are not statistics. So you have to choose the course of your action. And once you made a decision, you leave it alone. You do what is necessary and then you live your life. Because one day uh, a gentleman came in to see me And when I still worked at the charter center for complementary medicine, and we saw a lot of cancer patients. And the guy walked in and said, Yeah, I'm really committed to doing everything I want to be healthy, I want to recover. Uh, You know, I, uh, I even made changes within the house. I'm not going to see my grandchildren because they're too noisy. I want quiet and peace so that I would recover. And I said, do you not enjoy uh, uh, your grandchildren? She said, oh, I love my grandchildren. I adore them, but I thought maybe the noise is not good. No, (laughs) them screaming, them being at home, that's life. That's what feeds your life. If you have your favorite dog, you walk with your dog. You do what brings joy the interruption is doing your procedure the rest you do you do your life even if you have a job uh, if you are tired for example you do chemotherapy or you do some vitamins minerals it also takes energy and let's say you are tired okay so you rest so you do a little less but you don't stop if you can work if the work is, it gives you joy if it's something that you love, and you continue doing it. If it's something that you did not like, then we remember we were talking about making the right changes in your life. And I have, I could quote many books written by oncologists like uh, Bernie Siegel, where uh, he writes about a patient who was already for sure dying, and hated his job. And then at the end, he decides what's the point to do the job. If he is going to die anyway, he quits and begins to do something else. I don't remember the details. And miraculously, his tumor begins to shrink, and eventually he recovers. So, no, you avoid doing what you hate, but you absolutely keep doing what you love. And as I said, the more serious the problem is, the more it is important that you don't become patient a patient and number two um, colette said that you must know how you will change your life that is and i give this uh, image particularly if, if people are uh, spiritually inclined i say imagine there is a tribunal you remember everything is good for your good And there is a tribunal and them deciding whether you stay or you go. And at this point, if it's a serious illness, maybe they say, "Hmm, this guy did everything he could or she could, it's time for them to go. And you have to make your case. You have to make your case. You have to tell them, no, I don't want it. I want you to change your mind. Here are the reasons why I want to stay around. And you absolutely argue. And by the way, those who for few, as I said, who are spiritually inclined, I absolutely insist that you argue. Never say, you know, it's God's will. If I live, I live. If I die, I die. No, God wants you to argue with God. How do I know? I will give you at least one example from the Bible. Remember remember, uh, Abraham is visited by three strangers who, who happen to be an- angels. So in, and so he welcomes them. And uh, eventually they identify themselves as angels. And they announce that Abraham and Sarah will have a baby, you know, the whole story. And then There is a very strange passage because so far in the the Bible, till this very moment, we only read in a narrative. This and this and this and this happened. And suddenly, we read a sentence, which is like as if God is lying on the couch of a psychoanalyst because it's written, and God thought to himself. Now God is, remember, if we believe that the Bible is was dictated to Moses by God, so God is sharing with us his his own kind of analysis, his own train of thought, because it's written. Uh, and God thought to himself, "How can I go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah without telling uh, Abraham?" And so then one of the angels goes ahead and tells Abraham, "Uh, we are going to destroy this wicked people because they sinned against the Lord. Now the interesting point about this situation is we are also taught in the Bible that God knows past, present, and future. So therefore, before before telling Abraham uh, that God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, God already knew that Abraham will argue. So then, why to tell him? Because God wants to test Abraham. God wants to see if Abraham is only about himself, or is he is going to argue, or is he going to speak for his for, for people, for strangers. He doesn't know those people, and yet he speaks up. And there is a second precedent, also Moses is uphill, remember up in the mountain, and he's praying to God for 40 days, and downhill uh, the Hebrews make go- a golden calf. And again, God says, look at these people, they are wicked. I'm going to wipe them out, and I will make out of you a new uh, family, a new generation. You will have uh, offsprings, and this is it. I am I'm, I'm finished with these people. I'm going to destroy them. Again, God knows past, present, and future. So God knows what will happen. And what happens? Moses begins to argue with God. In fact, Moses begins to blackmail God. Moses is saying, don't do that. Because what will happen? Other nations will say, look at this God. He took them out of Egypt, and he couldn't deal with them, so he killed them. So, knowing all that, God still allows, still tells Moses, still allows him to argue. So my point is, my understanding, whether you want to believe it literally, or you don't believe that the Bible is a divine text, and you can look at it metaphorically, God wants you to fight. God wants you to argue, but to argue honestly, to give good points. Therefore, don't accept, oh, this is my fate. I got sick. This is my time. This is not your time, no matter where you are. Your time is to put up a fight and say, give good reasons why you want to be on this earth. Take your time and give give good reasons. Now, why is it so important? Why is it so important to put up fights? And why is it important to do cleansing of your, uh, like remember I told you, your emotional toxins? Why is it so important to have good attitude? I will tell you. I want to share with you two studies that, happened a while ago. One is the uh, study was done at Stanford University. They studied 1,035 patients who had a heart attack. 95% of them reported of having gone through a particularly stressful experience prior to having a heart attack. You, you hear the numbers? 95%. Remember, how we respond in situations is a matter of our attitude, right? Epictetus, 2,500 years ago, said that. It's not the things or events that affect us, but the attitude that we take over them. Right? So, but remember, 95% of people who had a heart attack had some stressful experience just before their heart attack. Now, all patients were divided in three groups. Remember, this is an experiment at Stanford. One group was simply examined by a physician. The other group was examined by a physician. And in addition, people were advised on diet and exercise. And the third group, in addition to the examination by a physician, and diet and exercise instruction, these people were taught how to change their attitudes and behavior. That's exactly what we're talking about, right? All patients were followed for five years. When statistics was finally examined, it was found that the group that received information on on diet and exercise had half as many heart attacks than the group that did not, than the group that was only visiting a physician. Half. But the group that was taught how to change the attitudes and behavior had one-third of heart attacks compared to the, quote, diet group, and one-fourth, one-fourth of the patients who were just followed by physician. What I'm saying here is that three out of four people could have avoided having a heart attack if they had learned how to change their attitudes and behavior, you understand? That is why, that is why in, in my book, Six Pillars of Well-Being, in a, a fifth pillar, Uh, our conscious attitudes. Uh, I show you so many dysfunctional attitudes and teach you how to transform them into functional ones. I hope you remember. I hope I have, among my listeners, people who have been with me for a long time. And if not, please go to archives. From the beginning, my first show appeared um, uh, this December 1st, 2000, was it 19 or 20? I've been on air for a, a year and two months. I think it's 2020. Yes? Yes, 2020. So December 1st, 2020. And if you look at the uh, short write-ups, you will see where I'm talking about these six pillars of well-being, one by one because each of these attitudes are essential to change. Absolutely essential. Okay, let me tell you one more study that I absolutely love. And it's kind of a shocker. Uh, The the gentleman who did the study, unfortunately, is no longer alive. From what I know, I think he's not alive. Uh, 13 thousand people were evaluated for their basic lifelong attitudes. They were all divided in four groups. One group was people co- comprised of people. And, and of course, how did how did they divide them in groups by giving them questionnaires. So one group was of people who were hopeless, or severely depressed and wanted something which was not attainable the second group was comprised of people who experienced a lot of anger felt that something or someone wronged them the third group uh, kind of bounced between anger and depression and the fourth group was comprised of people who were well-adjusted, who Abraham Maslow would call uh, self-actualized. Okay? Um, here are the results. Now there is, there is a shocker. okay? They were all followed for 15 years. After 15 years, listen to the numbers. I, I wish I could I could email it to you. I wish you would like share it with people. I am surprised that this study is not all, all over the world and not taught in every university. After 15 years, they discovered 75% of all people who died from cancer were from group one. Remember what group one it was? Hopeless, severely depressed, wanted, wanted something that was unattainable. of people who died from cancer were from this group. How about that? Now, 75% of people who died as a result of a heart attack or blood vessel disorder were from group two. I remind you, it's people who were angry, who felt that someone or something wronged them. Nine percent of those who died from cancer or heart problems were from group three. Only nine percent, but still. And that's people who bounce between anger and depression, which which suggests that uh, when you go in between, you are not staying in the same place. There is movement. There is some kind of movement. Uh, you you're not only living in in grief and regret and anger is even though it's not healthy it's a reaction and it takes you out of the depressive state so that's why i would say that statistics came up we're not finished with it now less than one percent of those who died from cancer or heart problems where from group four. And what did I say group four was? It's a group of well adjusted people, people who basically Maslow called them self actualized, basically people who identified themselves as happy, fulfilled, satisfied, and so on. I will repeat the number, listen to this, less than 1% of those people who are healthy, are happy uh, emotionally died from cancer or, or heart attack. Isn't it interesting? Now, before I tell you, continue telling you uh, the rest of the statistics, I have to tell you, I do not own stock from Philip Morris or any tobacco companies. I do not, but here is statistics. 28% of smokers, from groups one, two, and three developed cancer. 20, it's a very high percent, 28% of people who were either depressed or angry who smoked developed cancer. Only 0.8%, which means less than 1% of smokers from group four, from the group of happy people Developed cancer. We're talking about 35 times higher uh, cancer rate between people who are happy, fulfilled, in the right field that they're in the right place in life versus people who are angry or depressed. Are, are you as impressed as I am? I hope you are. I hope you are writing down these statistics. Uh, I, I believe I got these statistics from, from the book by Blair Justice. The book, the name of the book is Who Gets Sick. So, uh, one more piece, and we're finished with these statistics. Over a period of 15 years, 16% of all people from groups 1, 2, and 3 Developed cancer over a period of fifteen years, sixteen percent of all people from group one, two, and three. That is the amount of people was thirteen thousand. So one thousand six hundred ninety people developed cancer. So and I told you the small small percent. Uh of, um, uh of people who develop cancer who uh who were from group four and that was less than one percent 0.8 percent as opposed to 16 percent. you understand what we're talking about that's why it's important be happy remember the, the i don't remember the guy who saying it uh, don't worry be happy uh that's why we need to change our attitudes, because everything depends on our attitudes. I just, I just got a call. And I'm going to a a couple of days ago, and tomorrow, I'm going to see a couple. And I don't know if I I told them, I don't know if I can help you. Only if you are totally committed to doing work. Uh, And it's anger. The guy is angry, and, the re- and marriage is falling apart. And the reason I was so concerned about, about the, even starting with them, he said, you, she said to me, you understand, I am a man. So if she says something like this, how can I take it? I'm a man. So what, <laughs> you're a man, and what does it mean? You have to be an asshole, you have to hit your wife? I mean, this is amazing. People, if you would, if you would know how people talk, uh, there is a wonderful, wonderful book uh, by Marshall Rosenberg. He passed away, unfortunately, several years ago, called Nonviolent Communication. In fact, I will attempt to teach, if it's not too late, to this couple uh, this technique from Nonviolent Communication. Uh, if they are willing to practice there is hope within one or two weeks we'll know if there is any hope for this for this marriage but people and what do you think will happen what do you think will happen just think okay uh let's say this this man is angry and this woman is not by a chance of course she's with him remember i i told you already once the universal principle all spiritual traditions are based on it that which is the like into itself is drawn that which is the like into itself is drawn if he is abusive so he is attracting either an abuser or an abusee, a person that he will abuse and somebody will abuse him, or maybe abused him. And the cycle of abuse does not end. So even if they get divorced, what do you think will happen? He will find a relationship where he either will be abused or will be begin abusing, because nothing changed. He did not change. And she will find another abuser, or will become an abuser, unless they change the character, unless they completely change the way they operate in the world. And that is a slow process. So far, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we were working on on the six pillars of well being, by the way, I will remind you, because it's been so long, we started probably almost a year ago, when I talk about six pillars of well being, I talk, you imagine a hexagram. First, and you will find it, if you go on my uh, 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 archives, you will find, read the short write-ups, and you will find every one of these subjects. The first subject was physical reality, and we covered living environment, physical hygiene, exercise, nutrition, sleep, and rest. Then we covered the second subject, and what was thoughts, feelings, emotions, and self-talk. And I taught specific practical tools for dealing with your thoughts and feelings and emotions and using what I call user-friendly self-talk. Because remember, we are talking all the time. We don't stop. You know, I remember when I was a child and I constantly had something going on in my head and I thought, maybe I'm crazy. Everybody looks quiet. Everybody is like normal. And something is happening in my head. I must be cuckoo. But no, everybody has something in their head. We all think. And what we say to ourselves has a direct impact on our well-being. More than than what somebody else tells us. Do you know this? Do you understand why? Let's, beca- let's say because somebody says to you something negative about you, ta da 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 What happens? Inside you get, if you can, you either protect yourself and you argue with the person right away. That is, you negate what they say. Or you say it if, let's say it's your boss, you say it in your mind. But you can reject what they say to you if it's negative. But if you are negative with yourself, there is no one to fight. If you keep repeating to yourself over and over, excuse me, I will have a sip of water. If you keep repeating to yourself over and over, "I'm stupid," "I'm I'm a idiot." I'm not capable, Uh-oh, I just quote myself on something. Remember so many times I told you, I just cannot deal with this Zoom. I cannot deal with modern technology. Maybe actually I hypnotize myself. Maybe I need to say, this is the time for me to focus and learn what every child can learn these days. Like, oh, I caught myself, so now you can test me, find out. i'm making a commitment i will i'm deciding i am going to master how to use zoom how about that anyway so that was the second pillar of well-being we discussed it and i spoke about it i spoke taught you techniques how to transform negative thoughts into positive how to eliminate negative thinking how to deal with critical thinking in fact By the way, let me (laughs) use an opportunity. I just published a book recently uh, in the beginning of December called um, Taming the Debater Within. It's a beautifully illustrated short book in which I teach a very simple and elegant technique on how to tame that inner voice, that negative inner voice. And the book is beautifully illustrated by a very young, talented uh, artist. So you can find it on Amazon.com. It's called Taming the Debate Within. Or you can find it, if you want, digital copy, on my uh, website. Anyway, so the next uh, pillar I spoke about was social conditioning. That is, we were examining the communal and social beliefs And I was guiding you how to choose your own path. First, how to identify where these beliefs come from, and then how to make choices for yourself. Then we spoke about our unconscious beliefs and attitudes. That's the most weird thing, because listen, you know sometimes in a conversation people say, unconsciously I believe this and this. (laughs) If, If it's unconscious, you don't know what you believe because it's unconscious. But some not sometimes, very often, we act totally, totally from our subconscious mind. It's a program, and we're not even aware of it. The program could have been written when we were a child, and we don't really know where it comes from, but there is a knee-jerk reaction. But I have a series of very elegant exercises, and you can find it, again, on, um, on archives. I give you a series of mental exercises discovering your unconscious beliefs about life, about marriage, about friendship, about money, and many other subjects. And finally, we have two more pillars to, follow, to cover. Your conscious beliefs and attitudes, and then moral and spiritual uh, reality exploring the world of spirit and so far uh, as many of those of you who have been following it know that we are on conscious beliefs and attitudes that's where we are and so far we've we covered and again you can follow it's all in our archives so far we covered I believe uh, we spoke about guilt And again, when I say we spoke about it, we went in great details of where something, the quality comes from or attitude, what it is and how to transform it. So we covered guilt, we covered judgment, even though I believe we need to talk more about judgment. It's such a huge, huge issue. But I give you concrete tools on how to deal with it then we spoke about ingratitude we spoke about jealousy about doubt about worry about expectations about arrogance and anger uh, in, in fact uh i actually intended and i see my time is almost up but even though i spoke in one my last talks i, I probably already a couple of months ago, about anger, and I thought I spoke about it exhaustively. Since then, I have a few more things to tell you about how to deal with anger. So next time I have the opportunity, I will talk to you about anger, uh, and then we have few other subjects to cover. We'll have to finish the rest of the subjects, and that is, uh, we'll talk about uh, I believe what is left uh, apathy, vanity, greed, and denial. And then we'll be finished. And then I will test you. Just kidding. But then, no, oh no. And then we'll be talking about spiritual and moral issues. So it's a huge subject. And I hope, I, I don't think of all, But I hope some of you, at least, have been following this subject and enjoyed it and and benefited from it. Uh, And if you have any questions regarding uh, these six pillars of well-being, you're absolutely welcome to write to me. Excuse me. And I hope next week we'll have communication through the telephone. And I'm looking forward to your calls. Uh, Now, my time is up. I have to say goodbye to you. I'm looking forward to having your attention next Tuesday at two o'clock. Peace to all who want to live in peace.